This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I just want to recap a little bit. That there's seven areas in a person's life they should trust in Hashem. Seven areas in a person's life. Uh, the first area is one's own physical concerns, one's own physical problems, health, clothing, shelter, whatever they have. A person's going to trust in Hashem. Person can worry all they want, it's not going to help them. Worry is not going to help. We have to realize worry doesn't help. Worry does not help. Number two, a person's money and sources of income. Person's going to trust in God. We don't know. We said there's many, Hashem has many messengers. If Hashem wants to send, they'll find a way. There's some, I don't know, Hashem has amazing ways of sending things. Number three, worrying about one's own family. Person has family here, family there. Today, we're all scattered all over the world. It's crazy. We're... I have kids all over. Kids all over. So you can't start worrying about them. You will never sleep at night. So it's very important to have bitachon, have trust in God. About once a spouse goes to work, you're worried. Now what's happening with her? She's driving the car. Da, da, da. You won't be able to sleep. One of rest of mind. One of peace of mind. So it's very, very important to have trust in God. And so the more we worry about these things, the worse it is. And sometimes our worries can cause the problem. Right? Sometimes I worry, we don't really realize that sometimes the mind can cause damage. Because by thinking about something bad, it causes something bad. <laughs> person's got to think positive thoughts all the time. It's very important to think positive thoughts all the time. Um, and then a person has to have trust in God also that they'll be able to do mitzvot. Different kinds of mitzvot between man and God, between man and man. It's interesting that that concept of trusting God even in spiritual things. That we, it's very hard to grasp. You're trusting in God that He'll give us the person the ability to do this for it. We have to, and it's interesting, I was reading today how Hashem appreciates prayers not just for physical things, but also for spiritual things. For example, should pray to Hashem, give me emunah. I want to have more emunah in you, give me emunah. Give me the ability to have bitachon in you. So pray to God, part of one's prayers. It's amazing. People don't pray for these things. We pray for wealth, health, uh, whatever, but we don't pray for spiritual. Hashem. The truth is we do, because it's part of our prayers. We pray for wisdom, to learn Torah. We pray for Teshuvah. We pray for Slicha. But why don't we pray for Emunah? Why don't we pray for Bitachon? Hashem, give us Bitachon. The truth is that a person prays without Bitachon. is not really praying. How can you pray to God without trusting in God? So you have to, the fact that we're praying to God shows that we believe God has the way to answer our prayers. Otherwise, why would we pray to God? So, but it's interesting, but a person's got to think about it. I'm praying to God because He has the answers. I'm praying to God because He has the ability to give me. That's very important. That's very critical. Before a person prays, a person going to clarify. Why am I praying? So it's, it's, the trouble is that we get into habits. We pray, we pray, we pray. We, don't, we forget why we're praying. We forget that this is the only address. The only one who can help us is Hashem. And we, we trust in God about the reward of the world to come. We trust God is going to pay us back. Hashem is our employer. Who's the employer? Hashem. Hashem's our employer. One day Hashem will pay us back. There's right Hashem. And sometimes Hashem can even give a reward for no reason. And that's amazing. That's we have trust in God as well. Person Hashem has the quality of Hanun. Hashem pays someone back for no reason at all. Anyway, so now we're moving on. And now he talks about where money comes from. Money comes from Hashem. You have to realize that. Wealth comes from Hashem. Even though we feel, and we know, and Americans really believe in this, is no, no pain, no gain. And we know that. Right? A person's got to sweat for their daily, daily 
Um, and yet some people, they inherit wealth. Case in point, I'm not going to go into details. You can, you can guess who I'm talking about. But case in point, you know, person's parents are billionaires and the child inherits very easily. Gets everything on a silver platter. Right? So some people acquire money through great toil and efforts. And others just inherit it. It's amazing. Those that expend great energy, they believe that their energy brought them the wealth. Right? It's amazing how people get wealthy today and just look at Facebook. I mean, how, how long? Seven years he became a multi-billionaire. I mean, it's amazing. amazing. Uh, listen, let's not go into that. He became religious. He saw the light somehow. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden now he says, religion has a purpose. So. Mm-hmm. He's getting slowly. He's become Baltishiva, slowly. He's going to go the whole way. But uh, listen, I'm just saying how easy it is today to make money. You make an app. You can design an app. A dollar an app, and a million, million people download it, you got a million dollars right there. Amazing. Oh, such small. It doesn't take much today. Hashem, Hashem has to give us a person a brain and put some energy in the brain, and that's what therefore he does. He does. You have two kids in Israel, so they just made an app, amazing app, and I don't know, millions of downloads already. Two kids, high school kids. It's like an app. It doesn't take much today to, to make money. It's, like, it's very easy today. So a lot of people just do it through hard, hard labor. And then you see these little kids in the, in, the, in the dorm rooms, they're designing something that can make fortunes. Amazing. So those that expend great energy believe their efforts brought them their wealth. Who's that guy who made WhatsApp? He's a Russian guy, Russian, Russian Jew. Russian? Yeah, okay. Just saying, he made an app, WhatsApp, and then... And who, who bought it? Uh, Facebook bought it. Facebook. Yeah. How many billion dollars? 17. <laughs> huh? 17 dollars. 17 billion. Yes, Hard to imagine. Billion? Yes, That's it. Doesn't take long. Today. So it's so easy. Hashem can give a person. If they, Hashem wants to give someone. Today it's much easier than ever before. It's like the amount of effort you need to do to put your money in, nothing. You just... just you just have to go to the right school. You just have to go to the right school to learn the right tricks. That's all. The right techniques. Go to coding school and you pick up the techniques. Make an app. Hurry, yalla. So, today it's, it's very easy, but today we feel, and the person says, you know, I put in my efforts and I made it. It's me. Wrong. It wasn't you. Hashem gave you the power, and that's something very big mitzvah we have to remember every day. Hashem gives us the ability to earn. Hashem gives us the ability to think. Hashem gives us all our abilities. And we have to realize who is the one who's giving us. Hashem is the one giving us. So it's very important to realize that. And uh, people praise their jobs or their businesses, but they don't actually praise God. And that's the truth. A person has to know who the source is. We have to know who the source Where is everything coming from? And... He gives a little mashal over here, the Chovele Babur gives a little mashal on page 41. You compare them to a person who's wandering through the desert, tired and terribly thirsty. He came upon a well containing not such good well water, but he quenched his thirst. Further down, he, he really gets a nice, fresh, clean spring of water. He says, oh dear, so I wish I didn't fill my thirst with the previous water, which is disgusting. I wish I'd have waited now to get this clean water. 
So too, a rich man who acquired his wealth through difficult and bitter means should realize he could have found something easier later on. Like, this really hurts, you know. The person really worked hard all their life, and then they find later on they could have done something really simple, and they could have made so much money. And so it's, it's all from God. I suppose, I suppose you should really think about this. So that's what, and today it's much more, it's much easier than ever before. This is so true today. These little kids, they're making millions, and we're, here we are, we're slogging away all your life. Slog, 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 slog. And these little kids with one idea, they can make fortunes. Amazing. It's too easy today. It's too easy. It really is easy today. You just have to be the right feel, the right time, and know what you're doing. What you're doing. So, right. So we have to realize that, and that's t- today. It's so true. What he's saying now, a thousand years ago, is so true, especially today. Especially today. So a person can slug all their lives and say, you know, I made it. It's my, my hard work, my hard work. And you see a little kid <laughs> doing little nothing, peanuts, and he makes much more in a much shorter time, much less effort and everything. So I was going to say, listen, it's all in God's hands. Everything's in God's hands. Everything's in God's hands. So a person's going to trust in Hashem for their livelihood. We have to trust in Hashem. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if there'll be a tomorrow. We, don't, we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea at all. We have no idea. Every day we've got to trust Hashem that things will go well. Instead of worrying. Worrying is the worst thing. Worry, worrying removes the person from Hashem. When a person worries, they're removing themselves from Hashem. They think, yeah, I'm worried. What's going to happen tomorrow? But worry about Hashem. Hashem will look after you. Don't worry. Hashem is there. So one who trusts in Hashem for his livelihood and one day finds himself without a livelihood, he should say, a person who brought me into this world, Hashem brought me into this world, is now holding back my livelihood for a specific period of time, and he knows what is best for me. Hashem knows what is best for the person. We have to know everything is a livelihood. It's, it's a galgal. It's a cycle in the world. One generation goes, one generation comes, and sometimes the money goes, sometimes the money comes, it goes through generations. One has been a man of means and now can afford nothing beyond his basic needs and personal needs. Should say, early in my life, God provided me with, with, at my mother, with my mother just enough food for every day. And then he made me onto better things until I acquired wealth. And just like my mother's milk didn't harm me, so too. Being limited means will not harm me either. And a person will be rewarded for being content with their basic needs. That's a very big test, to be content. That's the, main, that's the main thing. The main thing is whatever you have to be happy. That's, that's very, very, very important idea, to be happy with what you have. And a person will be rewarded for being happy. The reward is not how much you have. The reward is how happy you are with what you have. Right? Hashem rewards a person to be happy. That's it. So Hashem says, if I gave you this, are you happy about it? No, I want more. Well, you don't get reward for it. <laughs> You have a little, you have, you're happy, you get reward. You have a lot, you're not happy, you don't get reward. The reward is if you're happy what Hashem gave. Hashem, I'm happy what He gave me. That's why Birkat Amazon, this is not what you eat. We eat a kazayat of bread, Birkat Amazon. You eat 10 pounds of bread, Birkat Amazon, same Birkat Amazon. He's talking about spiritual reward. Spiritual reward is for the contentment. Because when a person is content, they're happy, they thank, they thank God. Person not content, thank God. 
the, the relationship with Hashem is different when a person is happy when a person is not happy. When a person is happy, they have a better relationship What's with Hashem. No, contentment is not a reward. Contentment is the test. Are you going to be contented or not? That's the test. That was the test of the man. Mm-hmm. Hashem said, I'm going to test you with the man. How are you going to test me with the man? Are you going to be happy with the man? Are you going to be content with what Hashem gives you? That's the, really the test of the man. That's what he tells us now. As our ancestors who were content with the measure of manna and man in the desert, as it says, let the people go out and pick each day's portion on its day. They're rewarded by the Creator. The what? They were content with the man. One little, what is it, Omer. An Omer of man, which is one little basket of man. They pick up a man and last them the whole day, and they're happy. They're content. It lasts the whole family. It's amazing. And that's what Prophet Yirmiyahu says. This is one of the most beautiful psukim in the, in the, in the Prophet. Yirmiyahu Shtaim Bet. Yirmiyahu says, Zachati lachesed nuraich. I remember the kindness of your youth. Lechtecha charay bamidbar. You went after me in the desert. Beres lozera. In a land which is not planted. Hashem says, I remember you guys were kind to me. Jews were kind to me. What do you mean Jews were kind to you? <laughs> what do we do to be kind to you? You went after me into a desert. Can you imagine how much faith it took to take your children, your grandchildren, move everyone, your cattle, everyone into the desert? There's nothing to eat. But Hashem will provide. We trusted in God. That was the kindness of our youth. We were kind to God that no one else trusted in God. We trusted our lives in God's hands. And we have proof. We're living proof. In fact, I was telling my, my daughter how what a miracle we are that we survived. We are a living testament to God's power. We Jews were here. Look, after all this I can't believe we survived. It's a miracle. We're sitting here learning to write. It's a miracle. We don't really realize it's a miracle. All these persecutions and pogroms and exile and this and that, wandering from place to place, and we're still here. It's a miracle. There's no bigger miracle than anything. Plus, not only we're here, we're we're in big time. We're here big time. We're in Israel. It's amazing. It's It's a tremendous miracle. We see the problems. We don't see the success. We don't see the amazing hand of God. This is the hand of God. This is Yad Hashem. It's open hand, Yad Hashem. A person's livelihood comes through working in a profession he dislikes, or in a place he dislikes, or for an employee he does not care for, he should say to himself, Hashem created me in a specific form and image, and with specific qualities which are in my best interest. So too, he determined that my livelihood should come in this specific way because it serves my interest best. You know, the person's got to say, everything is from hand, Hashem. If I can better myself, of course, look around, but if you can't better yourself, you have to be happy, well, yeah, this is what Hashem wants right now. I'm in this position because this is what Hashem wants right now. That's the thing. The person has this, the different ways of looking at it. So you can look at it and say, listen, Hashem put me in this position. If it's not such a nice position, maybe I should look for a better position. And the truth is, you should look for a better position, for sure. But if you can't find anything better, that's what Hashem wants. Right now, that's what Hashem wants. you got to pray. A person's prayers opens doors. We have to realize, a person's prayers opens doors. And that's the bottom line, as we say in Tehillim, Sadiq Hu Hashem is righteous in all His ways. Hashem wants the best for us. We have to realize that. Hashem wants the best for us. Hashem is our, re- our parent who wants the best for us, and Hashem gives us the best for us. But He also wants us to be independent to a certain extent. He wants us to be able to find our way to a certain extent. We try our best, and we can't find our way. We have to cry to God, Hashem, help us again. Hashem, help us. Okay, so that's trust in God regarding our finances, our wealth.
person got trust in God, and the test, the test is, are you content? That's the big test. The test is, are you happy? Are you happy with what you have? The person's got to find contentment with what they have. The person's got to find contentment with whatever they make. The person's got to be contented and thank God for what they have and bless God for what they have. Because it can always be worse. It can always be better. But listen, even when it's better, people are not content. So they're going to find, uh, be content. Be happy what you have. It's very hard to be happy what you have. That's the whole test today's society. People, that's, they want to buy more, buy more. Mm-hmm. Buy more. If you're happy what you have, you want to buy more. You want to go to the mall. You want to buy any more clothes. That's it. You're happy what you have. It's a materialistic society. Capitalism will come to an end if people are happy with what they have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with my car. I'm not going to sell it. What do you mean? It's 20 years old. Well, I'm happy. It's working. Okay. Too bad. Because there's good sales going on right now. You know, that's what they'll tell you. There's new devices, new this, new that. Okay. But a person's going to be happy with what they have. That's the test. The test is, are we happy with what we have? And it's hard to be happy with what you have today. You have a phone, you want to get a new phone. You have a car, you want to get a new car. You have a dining set, and you want to get a new dining set. You have a house, you want to get a bigger house. You want to... We're never happy, we're never happy. But to some extent, the person's going to be happy. You can temporarily be happy. In the meantime, I'm happy right now. Some people, even when they buy it, the next day they see something nicer. And they say, oh, I bought it messed up. I bought it expensive, I bought it this. Isn't there enough to have someone buy something? Yeah, you can't tell them anything. Someone buys them, you can't tell them. You can't, you can't tell them. You, know, you ruin their whole experience by telling them, you know, you, you, why do you buy this? It's a horrible color, this and that. It's horrible. You can't tell someone that. It's not Asur. Mm-hmm. Asur. That's Makhlo Beit Shammai Beit right? Are you allowed to say the, the wife right. is beautiful when she's not beautiful? Mm-hmm. And Beit says, yes, and that's his proof. His proof is what? You, uh, someone buys something, you tell them the truth? You tell me it's not nice. What you bought? Well, well yeah, I think it's safe. Because obviously the one that's marrying her beliefs. Yeah, obviously. Hopefully. Okay, now we come to the third area of trust. So the first area we talked about, different areas of trust, is uh, how hard a person should work. We talked about work, physical health. Oh, that's important. Health. Trusting God for one's health. And how a person should try their best to avoid danger. We talked about Shmuel Hanavi, right? He, he talked to Hashem. And Hashem sends it to anoint David Melech, and Shmuel Hanavi says, I can't go and tell everyone I'm going to anoint David because Shaul will kill me. So Hashem says, okay, so take a korban and, and offer up the korban. So you're coming to offer up a sacrifice. So that's number one. Number two is, we talked about how hard a person should work for a living. And number, th- number two is also part of what we talk about wealth comes from God. Number three, trust in God. And that is regarding one's family. A person's got to trust in God regarding one's family. Everyone is in one of two situations. This is very interesting because he goes through all the permutations of here. If you live alone and feel forlorn, Hashem will be your companion. It's like being in solitary confinement. Who's going to be with you? And the answer is, a Jew is never alone. A Jew is never alone. Person says, I feel alone. You're never alone. What do you mean, never, never alone? Hashem is always there with you. Hashem will be your companion. When you trust in Him, you will find consolation. When you think how out of place and lonely every soul which is purely spiritual must feel in this physical world. Hear that? The soul is very lonely. 
It's a soul in a physical world. It's lonely. People don't realize how lonely the soul is. Because the soul is lonely. Essentially, all people in this world, even those who have families, are out of place. We're all strangers. Our souls are all out of the place. This is before internet, before cell phones, before... Before everything. Before mail. Of course, so... It's before. So even with this, even with this junk, this junk is just messing up our minds, that's all. It's just it's surreality. It's not reality. It's surreality. The reality of the situation is that we are strangers in this world. Why? Our souls are not from this world. Our souls are from a different world. We're all aliens. Think about it. Yeah. We're all aliens. Mm-hmm. We're all from outer space. We're all from not outer space. We're all from a different dimension. Our souls are from different dimensions. And it's forced into this world. Our souls are forced. It's hard, it's hard to think about this, right? Our souls are forced into this world, and therefore our souls are out of place, and all our souls are lonely. Amazing. Amazing way to think of this. And that's what it says. It says in Vaikra, you are strangers and temporary residents with me. So it's interesting. We are all strangers in this world, and therefore each one of us, even if we have relatives, are really lonely. Why? Because my soul is not really linked. It's not linked. Plus, that's number one. So either you live alone, you live with others, but really still, even if you live with others, you're still lonely. A person's got to know all the time, who is my companion, Hashem? The true companion of the soul is Hashem. The spiritual soul is alone, the spiritual companion is Hashem. Reflect also on this fact. This is very morbid, by the way. I want to warn you. It's very, very morbid. Even one who has relatives, this is a very morbid thought, will eventually end up in a grave where they are alone. Oh boy. Horrible thought. The grave is a very lonely place. And neither a relative nor a child can help or keep them company. Ah. And I see, we don't really realize there's awareness beyond the grave. People don't realize that there's awareness that goes beyond the grave. That's the reason why we, we go visit a grave, we put a stone over there. Who are we putting a stone for? So the, the, the pshat is, the Haskalah Navi says, when you see a bone, you cover it with a stone. And so, you know, in those days, they never had big tombstones. Each one would come and add a stone on the grave to keep the, the sign of a grave there. It'd be a collection of stones. Every time you come, you add a stone. Some people would come and take stones away. You come and add stones. Just keep the sign of the grave. That's a pshat. But the Kabbalah is that you put the stone there for the, the soul to realize that someone came to visit. It was the, soul, the soul is coming back with the force of the body. It's all, especially the first year. So eventually everyone's going to be lonely. We're all going to be alone. So a going to take comfort that Hashem is the one who's going to keep us company. There's no one else going to keep us company. Hashem is the one who keeps us company. So neither a relative nor a child keep us company. Furthermore, a person who alone, lives alone, is relieved of the heavy burden obligation supporting a family. You should consider this as a favor from Hashem. <laughs> All the singles over here. It's a favor from Hashem. If you are occupied with the worldly matters, you won't have time to work. You have to work so hard to support a family. But if you're single, you won't have to work so hard to support a family. Not having a wife and family make your life more relaxed and easier. In favor of monks. If you spend your time praying for the afterlife, your mind undoubtedly will be clearer and more free when you are able to go into seclusion to meditate. There's an advantage of being single. There's a spiritual advantage of being single. Be a monk. Be a monk. There you go. You can retreat into the mountains, Jesse. In order to free your mind for God's service. Here we are. 
So to the Nevi'im, the Nevi'im, the prophets would go into seclusion to contemplate their duties to Hashem. And the spirit of prophecy would come to them. So if you're single, it's an advantage. You know, as he's saying, there's an advantage. No, I don't know. He's not advocating marriage. It's very interesting. But he's saying that a person, in other words, a person should be happy with their circumstance. They tried. Couldn't get married. They're trying, they're trying to get married. They can't get married. Listen, look on the bright side. The bright side is you have less troubles. You have less responsibilities. You have more time for spirituality. And it's a yeshiva bakr. That's why it's a, the single and the yeshiva. It's the best time of your life. Why? Because you, all your love, you put your mind in the Gemara. If you can do that. The trouble is the Yisra gets a person on both sides. That's the trouble. That's the trouble. So, but the Nevi'im would do this. Uh, you had to leave their wife. Moshe Rabbeinu is the classic. He had to leave his wife. Completely. Completely. Terrible. He had two sons and he left his wife. Hashem said, leave your wife. It does. In other words, a, peace, a person has peace of mind. A person has pure mind. Yeah. Holy mind. Hopefully. So he could pray and meditate, but still it's not the same because you have to go to the mikvah and whatever, and you have to yeah. to be totally secluded. When prophecy would come upon them, you had to separate, separate completely. Mm-hmm. We know this from the episode where Elihu meets Elisha. He came upon Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing. Twelve pairs of oxen were going before him. As soon as Elihu came with a slight hint, Elisha understood and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and I will follow you. He says goodbye to his father and mother and he goes and follows Elihu Navi. But if I have to leave his father and mother, and since he's mm. got to become a navi, he's got to leave his his physical existence. He's got to leave everything behind. So now he brings a very strange story. There's a story about an ascetic. I don't think it's a true story. So this uh, make believe, as uh, as Rabbi Rieti would say, it's a true story that never happened. <laughs> There's a story about an ascetic who went to a city to teach its inhabitants how to serve God. He discovered that everyone's clothing and jewelry were the same color. In some circles, there are, everything's the same. Black, black. Mm-hmm. He noticed graves at their front doors. And there were no women there. He asked them the meaning of all this. The people said, look, 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 look the answer for you. Our clothing are all similar so that no one can tell the difference between the poor and the rich. The rich will not become conceited and arrogant, and the poor will not become ashamed of themselves. In this manner, the rich people will realize his situation not the same as his situation in the grave, rich and poor are equal. They continued, We once had a king who would mingle with the servants. No one recognized him. He came dressed very humbly and wore only the plainest jewelry. We placed the graves of our deceased relatives by our front doors to serve as reproof and to remind us to be ready for death to prepare provisions of good deeds that will give a, get us to our final resting place in the world to come. Regarding your observation, we don't have any wives and children. Where are the wives and children? We have a special city for our wives and children. We go there to take care of the needs whenever it's necessary. Then we return to this place. We do this because we notice how distracted we become and how much time we lost, how much pressure and tension we were under when our families were close to us. <laughs> and how relaxed we were when they were away from us. Now we have the inner peace to focus on the concerns of the world to come. To turn away from worldly man. In other words, this is just a parable. In other words, the person should find a place. And that's what we're doing over here. We're escaping from the realities of 
family life and children and pressure. And studying about God. This is what we're doing. This is, this is it. We're talking about this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a little bubble. We can get away from physicality and come and spend your time in spirituality. That's what Beit Midrash is. The Beit Midrash is a spiritual bubble. You can leave the physicality and concentrate and focus on the spirituality. And realize what it's about. Life is about the soul. Life is about preparing for the next world. So, so a person has to trust in God to fulfill his obligations to his family and be sincere with them. So a person has a spouse and has family. So first we talk about people who don't have a spouse and family. Now we talk about people who do have a spouse and family. And wives, relatives, friends, and enemies. I don't know why he throws in enemies all the time. <laughs> I guess you can't live without enemies. Everyone has enemies. <laughs> he must trust in God that God will save them from being overburdened by their demands. Well, I don't get his like the Judaism is very action oriented. Very action oriented. Yes. I mean, we have all the okay. We have all the holidays. We have or in times of the temple and the rebuilt temple. We'll have the sacrifice okay. and everything. Three holidays a year was a big deal. Well, but he's sort of advocating the ascetic lifestyle where. He didn't say that. He said he's saying, "Have one city for your wife and children." Right, but in other words, you have to have time. Yeah. So should our child be doing things in this world? He says also mitzvot. He talks about mitzvot as well. The person should put the graves outside the door so that they contemplate that the spirituality, the spiritual deeds, will bring them to the next world. It's impossible to do anything without mitzvot. You have to eat a mitzvot yeah. as well. But there's mitzvot between man and man. There's mitzvot between man and God. Yeah. Don't forget, the name of the book is Chovat Levavot. Uh, We're talking about the duties of the heart. Yeah. So what are the duties of the heart? To contemplate God. Contemplate about bitachon and emunah. And it's, it's a, the six mitzvot. Daily mitzvot. Which people don't focus on at all. Yeah. We're all busy doing mitzvot. We're all busy doing chesed and teaching and this and that. But we have to also think about our emunah. The purity that's the key, the key is God. Hashem is the one. That's what we're doing. We're serving God. But a person doesn't think about Hashem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost everything. Mm-hmm. The key is Hashem. So Hashem will save us. Hashem will help us fulfill our obligations. So a person came back. A person gets married. I got married. I don't know how I got married. I had four hundred dollars in my pocket. You get married, and then you see, you sign the papers. Hey, signing a paper. I'm going to support you. I'm going to provide for you, if, even from the shirt off my back. I have nothing. Oh, okay, I have my shirt off my back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sign the paper with Emunah. Hashem is going to help. That's what Rabbi say. You have to jump in. It's like crossing the sea. You jump in, and you trust in Hashem, and Hashem will save you. And Hashem did. Hashem does. And the person's going to jump in. If you don't jump, nothing's going to happen. People are worried. How will... How do I get married? I, you know, I'm going to support my wife. She's very, uh, women are very demanding, especially American women. And da, 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 da. You hear the whole story. Well, you have to jump in. That's how, that's how you get married. The only way you get married is you jump in. You jump. You jump and you see how the sea splits. That's what life is all about. You jump in and you see how the sea splits. If you don't jump, you know going to happen. You have to jump. You have to say yes. All you have to do is say yes. I do. <laughs> well, the men sometimes have to do more than that. Men have to ask. Will you marry me? Yes. Okay. Yalla. Let's go. Let's find a rabbi now. Okay. Wait. That's after you find a rabbi. After you find a rabbi. Okay. You find a rabbi already. 
I won't charge you. Don't worry. It's free. Just jump. jump. It's going to be free. Okay. So, we have to have a munah. A person's going to have a munah. There's no way. A person cannot run life without munah. You won't cross the street without munah. A person won't do anything without munah. He's too scared. It's fear. Fear holding the person back. How will I do it? How will I do it? How will I do it? I do it. You won't do anything. You have to do it. You have to jump in and do it. That's all you can do. Jump in and do it. And many things you have to jump in to do it. So that's what he's talking about. How will I fulfill my obligations? How can I do when they, what they ask me to do? And the answer is, you've got to have a murah. And this is very, this is a thousand years ago. He must not cause them harm. A man must not cause his family harm. He must do whatever he can to make them happy. He must be faithful in all his things. He must teach them to advance in Torah and worldly matters in order to serve God. For it says, what's the source? What's he applying it to? To one's family, spouse, and children. And it says, you will not hate your brother in your heart. Talking about your relatives. Don't do kind things for your loved ones in order to receive reward or to be repaid by them later on. Because you love being honored and praised by them. Your only purpose should be to fulfill the Creator's commandments. Love your spouse to fulfill the Creator's commandments. Love your children to fulfill the Creator's commandments. If you're doing it because you think they're going to give you something back, you're going to be very badly disappointed. <laughs> so that's very important. The only purpose is to fulfill Hashem's commandments, to keep His covenant, to observe His ordinances. If you do what your loved ones ask of you for selfish reasons, you will not get what you hope for in this world. You have labored in vain and furthermore forfeit your work, reward in the world to come. So you have to personally realize, when you get married, you're doing it, you're getting schar. Person getting rewarded in the world to come. You're doing the mitzvah of God. Bringing children the way you do mitzvah of God. Person says, I'm doing it because I want honor. I want to do it because I'll tell you, there's no honor in it. There's no honor in it. There's no other things in it. It's just purely, you're raising children. There's honor in it. Is there anything you're getting out of it? What are you getting out of it? Nothing. You have to pay, pay, pay through your nose. Just keep on giving, 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 giving. Hashem's giving as well. Hashem's also your father. He's also giving you. <laughs> so he's giving you and you're giving it on. You're passing it on. That's what it's for. The idea is that a person should be a vehicle in the world of giving. Hashem is using a person as a utility to give. So the more people you give, the better. The more children you have, the more people you give. The more family you give, the better. It's coming through you. The, the shefa, the bracha is coming through the person. That's, that's a very, very important idea. A person should become a conduit for blessing in the world. A person should be a conduit for blessing in the world. The more you're a conduit for blessing, the more blessing you get. Very simple. My rabbi in England used to say, uh, when you give staka, you clear the pipes. When you clear the pipes, there's a blockage. Hashem's not giving you. Why? Because there's a blockage. When you give, the blockage just goes. It's like you just rotoruda. You did rotoruda for the spiritual blockage. There's a spiritual blockage. You give, and the spiritual blockage goes, and all the, everything starts working again. So, if your intent is to serve Hashem, you'll find people will praise you. People will respect you. They say, what? Well, I'm not doing for anything. What am I doing for? Your children will love you. Why? Because they'll say, Daddy, he's not doing anything for What's he doing for? He's not doing it for praise. He's not doing it for this. He's not doing it for that. It's not a power struggle. He's doing it because yeah, Hashem, he loves Hashem. He's doing it. So, they'll, they'll respect you. The children will love, respect you and love you. So it's interesting. He would also grant you great reward in the world to come. As Hashem said to Shlomo, we just read this on Shabbat. It's very interesting. We just did this on Shabbat. Even that which you did not request, I will give you. Remember Shlomo asked for 
understanding. Right? We talked about this Shabbat. Amazing how it came up. Melachim yeah. Aleph, chapter 3, verse 13. Shlomo Melech, Hashem says, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. You want money, you want honor, you want long life. What do you want? He said, no, he says, I just want understanding to judge your people. Hashem said, because you've asked for that, you're going to get everything as well. <laughs> you just asked for the golden key to everything. Golden key to everything is wisdom. You ask for chokhmah and bina, you get everything. Huh? Sake, yes, exactly. In other words, you wanted, you wanted uh, to judge my people. You want to make uh, justice in the world. I'll give you everything else. So what he's saying over here is, if your intention is L'Shem Shemaim, everything's going to be open for you. And that's a very important idea. It's very hard to get to that level. And you see it sometimes. Some institutions are very, very successful. Some rabbis are very, very successful. Some are not. And it's all to do with pure L'Shem Shemaim. So... It's uh, some person has that the key of the Shem Shemayim. It's also hard work. And that's the truth. The truth is that a person should eventually uh, get to that stage where a person can say, you know, I'm, I'm doing the Shem Shemayim. I don't have no interest at all in any financial reward, in any whatever other kind of reward. I just do it the Shem Shemayim. That's, that's the highest level. So at least find some kind of mitzvah a person can do the Shem Shemayim. Okay, so now we come to asking favors, which is uh, very common. Concerning people higher or lower than you on the social ladder, the way to trust in God is this. If you have a request from one of them, rely on God to fill your need. Consider these people as only the messengers who are fulfilling His will, just as the farmer tills the soil and plants for a living knows that only if God decides that He should be supported will the seed sprout produce fruit and increase. So in other words, don't put your trust in the messenger, put your trust in God. This guy, I'm asking for a favor. If he's going to be the messenger of God, fine. If he's not going to be God, Hashem will find his messenger. There's a very famous story of Rav Kahneman. Rav Kahneman was, after the war, he lost, Panovich yeshiva was destroyed. Panovich was destroyed. Germans destroyed Panovich. He goes to Israel, and he's re- he wants to rebuild the yeshiva in Bnei Brak. But it's sand, it's just a pile of sand right now. <laughs> He has his vision. He's going to build this big building on the pile of sand in Bnei Brak. And he goes around the world collecting money and he, he builds this massive yeshiva. You go there today, it's massive. Beautiful, it's a beautiful yeshiva. It's on top of the hill in Bnei Brak. You see it from far away and it has a, a beautiful Italian Arona Kodesh, one of the most bo- beautiful they brought it from Italy. Gorgeous. It's uh, very ornate. It's wooden, uh, gold-plated. Amazing. It's, uh, you should go just see the Arona Kodesh. Amazing. Um... And he went, he would go place to place collecting money. And uh, more often than not, they would throw him out. Very simple. Sorry, we don't allow, uh, what do you call them? Solicitation. No solicitations over here. Uh, you find this, uh, no, solici- no solicitations over here. I never understood what it was till, you know, <laughs> till he asked money. Uh, Did you see the sign on the door? Oh, what? Sign, sign? No solicitation? Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Does that mean me? Yeah, you. Get out. <laughs> So, so uh, his uh, guy who went with him was very upset. That's not a way to do the rabbi. No, he wasn't upset. So why are you upset? He said, well, listen, we try. Do our hishtadut. Hashem wants to give through this guy. He'll give through this guy. If he doesn't want to give through, he'll give someone else. That's all. Whoever's the merit will give. Doesn't have merit, whatever. So the person who has the merit will give. The person who doesn't have merit will give. Very simple. He just, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't upset. 
Unfazed, completely unfazed. It's amazing. Because he had bitachon and Hashem. Hashem wants it to happen, it will happen. It won't happen through this guy, it will happen through someone else. There's plenty of people. And it happened. You see the buildings. It's amazing how he did it. He had the emunah, he says, because people laughed at him. He said, what? There's enough yeshivot. There's only 400 people learning in Torah in Israel at that time. 400 people. After the Second World War, there's 400 people left. 400 yeshiva boys left in Israel. 400. And that's why Ben Gurion says, okay, I'll give him dispensation from the army. 400 boys, ah, big deal. You know, we don't need him in the army, okay. <laughs> Didn't realize now it's going to be 50,000, 60,000. It's amazing miracle. It's a miracle. They told him, you don't know the issue. You got Mir, Mir came here, and you got the uh, Kamenets, and you got this and that. How many issues you didn't need? 400 boys. No, build another issue. Okay. You build it, they'll come. And they came. Pax, Pax. I don't know, it's one of the biggest issues in the world. Ponovich. Thousands, hundreds, I don't know. 2,000, 3,000, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think uh, Mir Yeshiva is the biggest in Yerushalayim, and they have Lakewood and Ponovich. So they're three big issues. So, it just shows the person has to have that emunah and the Hashem Shemayim. If you ask someone for a favor, okay. If he does it, he does it. He doesn't do it. Someone else will do it. Hashem, I'm asking for my Hashem really. This is just the messenger. You want to be the messenger, you be the messenger. You don't be the messenger, you be someone else be the messenger. As it says, um, a person who has merit, the merit will come from him. And bad things will come from a bad person, and good things will come from a good person. So, a person's good merit will be brought about by a person of merit. Someone says in Shabbat, Lamed So, it's important. If the person doesn't fulfill your request, don't hold it against them. Don't accuse them. Rather, thank Hashem. Hashem is the one who's going to choose whether you get it or you don't get it. He has a favor, that's it. And praise the person for f- trying to fulfill your wish, even though it did not work out. If someone of a higher or lower station in life makes a request from you, try and help him, provided the one who asks is worthy of the effort. And trust Hashem to help you accomplish it. It's very hard, right? Some other person says, can you do me a favor? Can you lend me some money? I'll tell you, when I got married, I tried to buy a house. I had nothing, really, honestly. And I asked my best friend, he's really this guy's a tzaddik, and I asked him, he gave me a loan, $5,000. At that time, it was $5,000, a lot of money. Helped me buy an apartment in Israel. So now I take a mortgage, a down payment, and I got a mortgage. So thank God, he helped me, and I helped pay him back. <laughs> I'm saying, just sometimes you ask the right guy, and he helps you, and it's like he, he saved your life, really. He helped you do a big thing. Buy a house in Israel, it's like a big, it's a big thing, major thing in those days. In those days, it was dirt cheap. You can buy a house for $25,000. Imagine. Wish I bought 10. <laughs> but I never had money. Can I tell you? So, if you ask someone for a favor that he gives you, he's a vehicle of God. Thank God and thank the person. If he doesn't give you, it's a vehicle of God as well. Hashem says no. Try someone else. So you have to thank them as well. Thank you for trying. And if you didn't, you try your best. That's all. And if you can be the vehicle to help other people, trust in God to help you to accomplish it. And if with God's help you filled you His wish and brought Him great benefit, do not boast about it or ask for thanks or remuneration. Thank Hashem for making you the instrument of goodness in the world. That's a very powerful idea. 
that we should all be the, that's called the Merkava of the Shekhinah. We should all be the vehicle for God in the world. So if something good can come out of you, you should thank Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for helping me do good in the world. Thank you, Hashem, for making me the conduit for goodness in the world. Now we come to how to deal with enemies. This is very, very important. As for enemies and people who envy you or wish to harm you, trust Hashem to deal with them. What do we say every, what do we say every day? In the Shemona Esrei, right at the end. For those who curse me, my soul should be quiet. And, my soul, and I should be like dust in front of everyone. We say every morning. Where's the Tefillah? Pass it. So we say every day in the Shmonasri, right? The last paragraph of Shmonasri. Right? Here we are. Open the right page here. My God, God, my tongue from evil, my lips are speaking to see. To those who curse me, let my soul remain silent. My soul be as dust to all. Whoever rises up against me to do me harm. You nullify their conspiracy. Ruin their plans. We pray every day. Hashem, you're the one who... So what do we get here? Just pray to God to help us, save us from enemies. That's it. Pray to God all the time. Easy. So that's part of bitachon. Part of bitachon is, person says, I have enemies. People dislike me. People want to hurt me. I pray to God to help me, to save me from them. Say something, something similar. We'll say Shabbat also, right? Right before Habdala, there's some, some passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the Psalms, David Amelech. David Amelech. Repay them with kindness. Do as much good for them as you can. Look at this. Endure the insults. Don't retaliate. Repay them with kindness. Keep in mind, it's all from Hashem. If your enemies brought hardship on you, judge them favorably. It's so hard to do this. It's like a very high level. Attribute your suffering. This is what David Amelech did with Shimi Ben Gera. Remember we talked about it on Shabbat, right? Shimon Ben-Gera cursed David when he's running away from Absalom. David, and they want to kill him. They want to kill him. He's the, you're the king and he's cursing you. Kill him! No. Hashem decreed it. It's all from Hashem. So he says, attribute your suffering to your own wrongdoings and beg his forgiveness for your sins. If you do so, your enemies will come to love you. What's that book? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Stephen Covey. Now, who's the guy? Del Carnegie. Del Carnegie. Del Carnegie. Del Carnegie. Here's a different, different way of doing it. <laughs> Listen, just don't take insults. That's it. Don't get insulted. Life is too short. Believe me, life is too short. We bear all this in our heads and we can't sleep at night. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just get it out of your system. Life is just too short. Let it all go off the duck's back. What off the duck's back? go right over you, right through you, and not affect you. That's it. It's very, very important to get like that, become like that, so the person will have a very rough life. Because everyone, this one says something about you, something about you, and they're going to do. So it's very important just to be able to sleep at night, to not to let it affect you. How do you not let it affect you? Let Hashem handle my enemies, that's it. I don't bear any grudges, I don't hate anyone. Forgive and forget, just forgive and forget. And when you do that, it says, even your enemies will make peace with you. You'll, all of a sudden, you'll see that they're making peace with you. Why? Because they see you're not, a, you're not a danger. You're not fighting back. You're not threatening them. You're not. It's a very hard issue. It's a very, very hard issue. 
Obviously, we have to go more in detail. Depends what kind of enemies we're talking about. Are they, are they physically trying to kill you? What are they trying to do? We're not talking about trying to kill you. We're trying to we're talking about regular people in work. Uh, we don't like you. Okay. Okay. Fourth area. Person got to trust in God, and that is in mitzvot. This includes things like fasting, which is hard, right? You fast. But yesterday, person got to trust in God. Everything's going to be okay. I'm fasting. I'm not eating. Is going to be okay? Pray. Pastor says, you know, I've got time to pray. I need trust in God. I have time to pray. I'm not busy. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to miss something. Right? So people are very, you know, I was expecting a very urgent call today, but I'm praying. I trust in God that it wouldn't affect me during my prayers. <laughs> it wouldn't call me. Because it's tremendous. Yet, mm-hmm. It's an important call. Da, 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 da. And uh, thank God he called just after. So, but it's a good. It's a person going to have emunah just to stop what they're doing. Pray mincha. It's so hard. Emunah takes to stop. I'm in the middle of your work, and you, especially making a business deal, or whatever it is, right? Right? It's a very hard uh, issue. Very, very hard issue. I was uh, reading about the father of the Ramah. It's a beautiful story. The father of Ramosh Isilis, very famous Ashkenazi rabbi, who wrote the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, which Ashkenazi followed, says his father owned a store selling cloth material. And his father decided he's not going to work past midday on Shabbat, on, on Friday. Midday on Friday, he closed the store. Midday on Friday. So he says a man came 20 minutes before midday, want to buy da 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 da, looking through his cloth, looking through his cloth. Father says, "You know, it's midday. I got to close." So listen, I'm going to provide you thousands of dollars. Don't worry, it's going to. Be, I'm going to buy a lot of material. You're going to be able to just wait another twenty minutes. What's the problem? No, midday I close. He shut his store midday, and the guy won't. Lost the business deal. Lost a tremendous amount of money. And didn't think about it. And then he had a dream after that. He says, "Your reward is we're going to give you a child who's going to light up the world." His Torah. That's a Ramara, Moshe Isilis. Amazing. So, we know the story of the father of Rashi, right? The, the jewel. It became an Oscar bestseller. Kids' book, right? The, the father of Rashi used to sell jewels. And one day they came to him and they wanted a jewel for the eye of their idol. They had two, he had two rubies. For the, they wanted to buy it for the eyes of the idol. And uh, he says, okay. What can you do? The king is, the king's uh, whatever. So he's on the boat now. Like he's going to get the deliver the jewels to the king, and uh, they, they says, "I want to." I was looking at the jewels, and they fell overboard. So that's how he got out of the setting it for the idol. Mm. He threw them overboard, basically. But he did like an accident happened, and he was crying to pretending, you know, he lost the jewels, and he's crying, and they had mercy on him because he lost the business deal and he lost the jewels as well, and they sent it back home. <laughs> and he got a reward from heaven. They said, "You're going to have a child called Rashi, who's." Who's the jewel? That's the jewel. You lost the jewel, but you got a jewel. So we don't know. We don't know how Hashem works. We don't know how Hashem operates. It's all to do with a person's mind. It's all to do with a person's thoughts. Really. A person has pure thoughts and happy thoughts and good thoughts. Hashem says, I'm going to reward you. I like you. That's really, basically, that's what it is. For Noah matzachen Hashem. And Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Why did Noah find favor in the eyes of God? We don't know. It doesn't say. But the answer is his heart was pure, obviously. 
Why did Hevel, why did God like the Korban of Hevel, not like the Korban Kain? Because Hevel gave the best, he, gave, he did the best, he tried the best. Hashem knows our hearts, that's the thing. Knows. The difference between one mitzvah and the other is the heart, basically, that's very different. You're both doing the same thing. Hashem says, I like the way this guy comes to Shul. He comes with his heart, he comes with his, he, like, he loves to do, he loves to be here, he loves to be with me. And then the guy, but again, from Saraga, we don't know how Hashem judges these things. We have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Hashem prefers someone from far than someone who's close. It's, it's amazing. Hashem comes, someone who's coming from far away. Shalom, shalom. The prophet says, peace, peace to those who come from far, and then peace to those who come from, from near. Suppose it's a Baal Teshuvah, coming from far away. Hashem says, oh, that's the guy I want. That's the guy I'm going to say shalom to first. He came from far away. Wow, that's tremendous merits. The person has tremendous merits. We don't realize how much merit. The Baal Teshuvah has tremendous merits. And the biggest merit is the Ger, convert. Comes, tremendous merit. They come from very far away. They came for, to a God from far away. That's a tremendous merit. You can never take away from someone that. Tremendous merit. So uh, that's what Hashem loves. Hashem loves the heart. People come from far away. People trying their best. People striving. Uh, people forgive and forget. Tremendous merit of forgiving and forgetting. Right? It's called Mavira Midotav. person Mavira Midotav. person changes their Midot. They, he passes over their anger. A person gets angry and they, they cover their anger. They lose their anger. Hashem says, you lose your anger, I'm going to lose my anger. I'm going to break all the decrees against you. Amazing. Okay, so we have to talk about trusting in God in terms of mitzvot. person says they have to pray to God. I ask Hashem to guide me towards the truth and His mercy. Help me fulfill this mitzvah. Help me fulfill this mitzvah. Help me fulfill this mitzvah. Help me to make moral decisions. Help me to say, speak truth. Help me to follow through on my choices. Help me through to implement the chosen path and make it a reality. I want to do a mitzvah. I want to do some kind of mitzvah. Please help me, Hashem, to do this mitzvah. So we have to pray also to, to help, ask for help to do the mitzvah. Especially if a person says, I want to make aliyah to Israel. Oh boy, you better pray hard. Hashem, help me pray. I make aliyah, I make successful aliyah. Everyone can make aliyah. Just successful aliyah is a hard one. You have to pray to Hashem. You have to pray all the time, constantly. If a person wants to get married, you just got to keep praying. Keep praying, keep praying. Because once have kids, you're going to pray, 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 pray. It's like amazing. It never non-stop. But those prayers are very precious because they're prayers based on faith in God. Because when a person prays to God for something, you're sharing faith. It's, it's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of trust. And then you have the trust in God to follow through and say, yeah, I'm going to make Aliyah. I'm going to have trust in God. And Hashem will just hate me. That's the next level. So different levels of doing a mitzvah. We can have faith. I can pray to God to help me do it. Then I'm going to have the trust to be able to continue to do it. So he says, two of these three things are under your control. Number one is you're free to make the choice to serve God or disobey Him. Number two, you are free to determine to follow through in that choice or not. But whether you actually do the good or the evil deed is not up to you. So you can follow through, but you don't know if you're going to be successful or not. And that is dependent on things which are in God's control. I'm going to stop here. We'll continue next week. This is a very complicated topic about trusting in God for the sake of mitzvot. And uh, come back to it.
just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.